0: You're listening to the Father's House Podcast. We're in Owensboro, Kentucky. Hope you guys enjoy. If you guys want more information, you can go to thefathershouseky.com. good this morning every morning every day and every hour and every minute every breath he's good amen he's always always good um so this morning is uh for some visitors in the house this might be a little different for you um we have a conviction here at the father's house that um that our church really is a family um so that i was this might be different than what some of you might be used to, but Sunday mornings aren't necessarily for guests, turns out. (laughs) They're actually for the body. It's for, the Bible says that we would, uh, the apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists would equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And that's really why we gather on Sunday mornings is to equipping of the saints to do the work of the ministry. Amen? Amen. But if you are a guest, we love you, and we're really glad that you're here. We do have a, uh, a welcome desk. We'd love to give you a gift. Fill out that connection card. We'd love to partner with you. Bless you. Come learn more about our church, step into our family. So this morning is more of maybe a family talk. I don't know if any, any dads ever have family talks. Is there anybody in here? you are like, all right, we're going to sit down. We've got to talk. Everybody at the table, come on. And that's kind of what we're getting into over the next couple weeks Um, It's just kind of a family talk for our church. Uh, A few uh, announcement, really quickly. I promise this will be good. It will be Bible, and regardless, everyone's going to get something out of it. Amen. But I'm going to teach a little bit this morning. Uh, A couple announcements, real quickly, for our membership here. We are having a church vote. On January 29th, directly after service in the sanctuary, if you are one of our members, we will be voting on changing our bylaws, constitution and bylaws. Some of you are wondering, I don't know what that means. I've never seen that in the Bible. It's because it's not, turns out. Okay? So, I, I, what I want to say to you today is we, we are a nonprofit. How many of you know churches are a nonprofit? I told you this might be boring, but everyone pay attention. We are a nonprofit 501c3, and according to be a nonprofit 501c3, you have to have constitution, you have to have bylaws, according to the government, you have to have a board, you gotta have a president, you gotta have a, a secretary, you gotta have a treasurer. But I want all of us to be on the same page this morning that none of that is in the Bible. I know it's quiet in here right now, but I've been waiting for any of y'all to show me those places in the Bible. Uh, they're not there, but we do have to have them. So we're going to get into, over the next few weeks, um, what, what is biblical church government? Somebody say government. That basically translates to this. What is the organizational structure of the church? What does the Bible have to say? Technically, who, who should be in charge of the church? Who, who should make decisions? What does the Bible say? Not what have you always been used to per se at your last church, but really what does the word say? What does God say? Amen. I believe actually he has a lot to say about it. Um, so we're going to be getting into, so basically, long story short, if you can write this part down, our big change in the bylaws will be moving from a board of deacons to a board of elders. That's the big change, okay? There's the cat out of the bag. Simply put, that the Bible says deacons are servants and elders are actually there to oversee and watch over the church and shepherd the flock. So we're just moving to spiritual elders, elders being uh, on our board and not deacons, and deacons will still be deacons. Amen? And it's a really, really good thing. We'll still, so I'll get into it over the next couple of weeks today. I'm gonna get into a few other things, but I just wanted to share that announcement really quickly. The bylaws are finished. We had a lawyer. Uh, We did not write these ourselves. We had a lawyer out of Dallas. that helped us um, praise God because if you start reading them, you're gonna realize there's a whole lot of stuff in them that have nothing to do with God or the Bible or Jesus. It has to do with taxes and codes and what we can do as a nonprofit and what we can't do and what we can sell and how we can't sell things and all kinds of stuff like that. You'll see in there like, oh, my gosh, what is this even about? And if you just keep keep going, you'll see the part about church government, our leadership, and how things will function. So you'll, you have plenty of time over the next three weeks to look over that. Also, if you have questions, concerns, you're welcome to call me, set up an appointment, come in the office, sit down, and let's talk about it. Look at your neighbor and say, let's talk about it. We are moving into more of a biblically defined way of church, and that's why people should say "Amen," "Amen," "Amen." amen. So we'll get into that. So, anyways, I just share that really quickly. Um, it's funny, is Pastor Fate's like, "Who's enjoying the fast?" And it's like, uh, <laughs> it's like five of y'all in here that are like me. Uh, <laughs> they're like, oh, we're, don't tell anybody. We're definitely not fasting. But hey, about this. We're still fasting for the next seven days, and this is a perfect time to be praying into this, this change in our church, amen? And start fasting. If you're wondering, oh, God, what are you, what are you saying? Should, God, should we go this direction? Start fasting and start praying. I believe God will speak to you individually, amen? Amen. So um, I don't know about you guys, but I get really cold when I'm fasting, so I think it's just like the devil to make our heat, like, not be working very well this morning. And I'm like, what is going on right now? Why is it so cold in here? Um, but anyway, start fasting. Join with us. We have seven more days. We'd love for you to come, come along. Um, so here we go. I'm going to get right into this. Let's pray. Amen. Let's pray for grace. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for your goodness. God, the Bible says that surely your goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives. So, God, I thank you that we, we are seeing your goodness and mercy follow all of us, Lord. God, we just um, ask you to come by your spirit in this place to speak through me as you would have me to speak this morning, God. And, God, I pray for the people sitting in this room that you would give them their own discernment to be able to receive the word of the Lord in Jesus' name. Because we just lift out our hands in front of us, like, to receive. This is your safeguard for whatever is preached from this pulpit. You ready? Say, Jesus, I receive anything if it's from you in Jesus' name. How many of you know that's a good prayer to pray? Amen? If it's from you, how many of you know if it's from Jesus, even if it maybe contradicts some of your thoughts or some of your opinions, you want it, right? Amen? Amen. We don't want to be like the Pharisees who literally saw Jesus doing miracles, seen him working, and did not receive him. Amen, amen, amen. So, all right, our our vision is to be a healthy, how, how, healthy home for the city. We want you to get involved. We had about twenty-four people go through the journey here recently. Come on, give it up for them. Pretty awesome. We'll have our next journey in March as well. We'd love for you. What is the journey? The journey is your next steps. If you want to get involved in the church, which you should. And if you want, like you said earlier, give our church a few tries. Come here three times before you make a decision. And and if you want to get involved, actually, if you want to get involved, you have to go through the journey. It's our process of getting us all on the same page. We'll talk a little bit more uh, about here soon. So. Here we go. So, first, I want to talk to you quickly about every pastor's last words, right? Quickly. I got a lot to share this morning, so just put your everybody. It's going to be all right. How many of you care if I go till 3 p.m.? Although, <laughs> people are fasting. Yeah, I thought y'all were fasting, so you know, we have to get to lunch today, right? We're on a fast. But, anyways. So there's two types, I'm going to give you some fancy words if you want to take notes. There's two types of, I would say, church uh, extremes of church government, all right? So number one would be an autocracy, all right? I don't know if I said that right. Autocracy, A-U-T-O-C-R-A-C-Y. An autocracy would be more um, where there is a a supreme power in the hands of one single individual, okay? Okay? So maybe you've been at part churches like that, and there's no team of input and collaboration. It's a one-man show, no matter what. All right? That's called an autocracy. The only way to remove someone like that would be through their own resignation, like some type of coup, or they would die. All right? And so like, I would imagine that's kind of like Russia set up, I imagine. I'm pretty sure. I don't think they could remove Putin. I'm pretty sure that's how that works. Uh, But the only way to remove someone, which is called an autocrat, would be by their own resignation. No one can, let's just put it this way, no one can touch them. How many of you say, how many of you know that's not healthy? So if we want a healthy home for the city, that doesn't just mean I want all of you all to be healthy. We want our our organizational structure as well to be as healthy as it can be. And one person who is untouchable is not healthy. Amen. Can we all agree on that much? I know some of you are like, what is he trying to say? We can agree, I promise you. So when you have an autocracy, you have some pros. You can get decisions done very quickly, very smoothly, (laughs) right? But you have some major cons when you have that type of of leadership. You have little to no accountability. Zero, right? Right? And also a major thing as well that you have like a protectionist type of mentality where like you're afraid to raise anybody else up because it's all about you, right? Those are not good things, right? And so we, somebody say, I don't want that. (laughs) me neither, amen? And then you have what we call a democracy. Everyone is aware of what a democracy is. We live in sort of one. But once again, what I want you to see this morning is not how the government functions, but how the church functions. You see what I'm saying? So a democracy is where you have a a, a leadership of a whole lot of people, where it's the control of things, the vision going forward, and changes and decisions are made by the whole group of people, right? Which is centered around, both both of these types of church structure are centered around humans. All right? I know it's quiet in here. Where are you going, Pastor? Don't worry, we'll get there. But in those situations, so you have the extremes of an autocrat type of church where the pastor, no matter what he's doing, if he's hurting the church, the staff, everything's going under, no one can step in and say, Hold on, what is happening with the church? What is going on? And then you have the opposite where you have a democratic type of church where there's a, a group or a board in charge of the church. By the way, that's not where we're at right now. Where the board is basically saying, hey, this is our church. And the pastor, you're here as a general manager of this church and you're just supposed to preach and do what we'd like you to do. I have sat in my office and had people look across me and my table and say, this is my church and you need to do what we want you to do. Hey, that's not good either. <laughs> so the other way is not good. This isn't good. I've even heard in the past, some pastors, their boards told them, you are a temporary hired employee. Whoa. That's not good either. Right? And so you have these, these things where the, the pastors can be let go for little or with or without cause for no reason. So, pastor, some of you might be thinking, "Well, is that what's going on?" No, that's not what's going on. I'm just t- trying to paint a picture to you of what the extremes could be. Amen. And and, and the real question of where where should it be, Amen. So, you don't want to be. I don't want to be in a church control by one person who's untouchable, who can run into the ground, and no one can remove him. And I definitely don't want to be involved with a church where there's no senior pastor who can really carry vision, who can pray and fast and actually hear from God, give vision to the church, and then people on the board say, nah, we don't like that. Right? And so there's two ways that can go really far either way. And maybe you've been a part of one the whole other way, and maybe you've been a part of one another way, and both of them can be negative. And I can tell you this, most of the time, we want to base our church structure on past hurt. So if we're scared of being a part of an autocrat type of church where there's a dictator, then you, you're in your fear, you'll want to have control and move to a democratic poor system because you're scared that we don't ever want that to happen again. But that's not good either. Or you've been to one really controlled and you want to go the whole other way and just say, I'll just do my own thing. And I don't need no covering. I don't need accountability. And that's not good either. So what is good? Somebody say, what's good? <laughs> what's good, Daniel? So somebody say, that ain't right. So what is the answer? So I want to talk to you about two foundational concepts of what we're going to call healthy. Somebody say healthy. healthy. Healthy church government. How many of you want to be a part of healthy church at every level not just us standing up here from the pulpit saying you need to get healthy but no no, no. where's where's the health for the pastor the leadership and the leaders of the church amen i was talking to a byron this morning i said if you are smart not just him just anyone if you are smart in any way you're gonna set yourself up for success in anything you're doing like, uh, like some people have uh, the covenant eyes. If you're, if you're to, guys, if you're trying to break pornography off of your life, there is resources. Women too, girls too. There's a resource called covenant eyes and you can sign up and pay monthly. And part of that, part of that deal is that you, you find a friend who you want to hold you accountable. And every time you look up something suspicious on your phone, it emails them. But how many of you know, if you want to set yourself up for success, you had to have some type of accountability. It's wise not to just be off on an island, not to go to small groups, not to go to freedom, not to ever do anything, not to ever join the church, not to ever have a covering and just be off on an island by yourself thinking, I'm just going to be fine. No, it's wise to have accountability and find a church, whether it's this one or not, where you trust the pastors and leaders to actually be your pastors and leaders. Not just to be your preachers. You know what I mean? Because you need that. I need that. I need mentors. I have mentors. And you know how you have a mentor that's legit? They tell you stuff you don't want to hear. I was talking about how it's hard for me and Maddie to you know, get overnight babysitters for our kids and we need to get away and Maddie needs a break and I was talking to one of my mentors and he said something I didn't really want to hear at all. He said, well, Mike, you can just stay home with the kids for a few days and send her somewhere. <laughs> I thought, man. <laughs> oh. And then I talked to one of my other mentors. He said the same thing. They're not even talking to each other. And I was like, man, oh, yeah, it's from the Lord. And if I have good mentorship, they're going to speak into my life. If I have good mentors and a good accountability, they're not going to let me ruin my life. They're going to step in. How many of you know you, not just me in leadership, but you need someone who can step in and say, hey, the way you're talking to your kids, the way you're talking to your family, your marriage is not going well. There's better for you. You're going to find yourself where your kids are calling somebody else Dad. One of my good friends told me that, that, that's what really changed him is when he had a mentor tell him, your daughter's gonna be calling somebody else dad if you don't change this. Let me tell you right now, they're still married and doing really, really well. <laughs> That'll get a hold of some of the men in here, won't it, real quick, right? I don't know if that's just our pride or what. It's probably not good, but. So I'm gonna talk to you about two other foundational concepts of what I believe set the foundation for a healthy church government. Um, I, I'm just gonna go ahead and tell you, I didn't make any of this up. Most of this I'm getting from Gateway Church, Robert Morris, Pastor Tom Lane, his executive pastor. They are the experts in these type of things, amen? They have healthy church. They're helping other churches become healthy in these ways and set up. So number one, I'm, I know I'm, I don't wanna lose you. So to have a healthy church, there's two foundational concepts. You can write these down if you'd like. Number one, the most important thing I will say this morning To have a healthy church ruling in government is what we're going to call theocratic rule. Theocratic rule is simply this. You ready? Ruled by God. All right? That he is actually in charge of the institution of the church. That's what we all want, correct? We all want that to be there. So how many of you agree that we want God to be the leader of the Father's house? That we actually, that the reason why, part of the reason why the name is the Father's house, because it actually is his. And when we have our prayer in the morning, we'll say all the time, God, this is your house. This is your church. These are your people. This is your finances. These are your kids, God. This is yours. This is yours. So other forms of church government start with humans at the center, as if they, rather than God, have created the institution. God has created the institution. Let me just say this. God has created the institution of marriage. He's created the institution of life. He's created the institution of church. He, and he gets to say so in how these things should function. Amen? He's created you. And he gets to say so of how you should function. Amen? So we don't want to be far on this side. We'll far on the other side. We wanna find a place in the middle. So step one would be in Romans 13, chapter chapter 13, verse one. It says, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. So what does that mean? That means that God can tell us to be subject because he has the rightful authority. Because he's saying, actually, this is, this is my church, and this is how I say it should go. Amen? We'll get into that. So step one is... He needs to be the leader of the church. He created the church. He has the authority to oversee and direct it, amen? And that's what we all desire, right? The reality is it's not a bunch of you that lead the church or me. It's gotta be him, amen? Amen. But what does the Bible say? Jesus said what? So we want Jesus to lead the church, amen? But what did Jesus say in Ephesians? He said that Christ has gifted the church these things, apostles, prophets, pastor, teacher, and evangelist. So he has set up a leadership team. He says, these will be the leaders of the church. And he makes it very clear. So I'm gonna read you some scriptures just about Jesus himself. Psalms 118 verse 22, it says, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is Christ. He is the one. He is the cornerstone. He is the the root of everything in our church. Ephesians 1.22, and it says, and he had put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church. Amen? So Christ is the head of the church. We can all agree. Colossians 1.18, he is also the head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come. I love this next part. He himself will come to have first place in everything. That's one of my favorite verses I found recently, that he himself would come to have first place in everything. That should be a prayer that all of us want, that Jesus isn't just our Sunday morning time we go to church but no, Jesus, you have first place in every area of my life, in every area, not just, not just Sunday mornings, not just my time, but the way I talk, the way my business, the way I handle my finances, all that type of stuff, my kids, God, you are first place. Colossians, or excuse me, that was Colossians one eighteen, Colossians 2.10, and in him you have been made complete, and he is the head over all rule and authority. This is good news. Isn't that Good news. So to sum it up, theocratic rule is the biblical model of governance, and it rests on the belief that all leaders, somebody say all leaders, are representative authorities of God and his kingdom rather than their own kingdom and selfish interest. How many of you know there's too many pastors and people and leaders building their own kingdoms and building their own thing and their own attention? And we don't want to be that type of church. We want to understand and have a pastor and leadership that understands that this does not belong to us. It belongs to him. And this is where we get these these vision statements, where we get the healthy home for the city. I didn't make that up. That's what God spoke to me in this pulpit while I was preaching as the interim pastor. He said, I want a healthy house. That's where the vision came from. It came from him. It didn't come from me. It didn't come from me Googling good visions for churches or looking up Grow Church or or, uh, looking up, uh, not Grow, but looking up Church of the Highlands and seeing what they're doing with their stuff and seeing what their vision is and seeing what works for them. He said, no, God, what are you saying? This is your house. These are your people. This is your city. What's your word? And he said, I want a healthy home. And then we went on to develop that. What does that look like? Build the family. That means we want to focus on building you guys up in the Lord, not just getting a bunch of guests in our church. Our focus is not a whole bunch of guests in the church. It's to build you up in your family. It's to work on you and to build you up in the Lord so you become mature in the Lord. Amen? We want the glory of the Lord to fill the streets like we prayed earlier in that song, but the glory of the Lord rests upon people and we can go out and literally invade the streets and invade our jobs is actually how the glory of the Lord invades the city. It's not just a tent revival we're gonna have on the back parking lot. Who knows? We'll see what happens. We'll do what the Lord says, amen? But it's gonna come from us representing his kingdom. Hmm. Hmm we got to have leaders that understand the church doesn't belong to us. And the vision and mission all come straight from Jesus. This is where we got these things. We're going to welcome the lost. We're going to change the city. This is stuff that God has placed in my heart, deep in my spirit. These core values. You know, where we get into the the family and evangelism and, and hunger and identity and supernatural and honor. These are things that God spoke to me in prayer and said, these are the things I want you to focus on. It wasn't, if you'll notice, our core values aren't like anyone else's. Our vision isn't like anyone else's. But ultimately, we want to see God move in our people, in our city. So we get this vision from the Lord, amen, because he's actually in charge. When the name, I'm going to tell you, the name changed. Somebody asked in the journey here recently, the name, where did we get the name? Did Mike come up with it? No, it came from the Lord. (laughs) How did it come to the Lord? Through prayer and fasting. And God speaks, and it began to change things. And if you've been here ever since then, our church has just grown. Our church has grown ever since then, and it's shifted and changed. And this will be another step in the right direction for continual growth for our church. Amen, because how many of you know that God is a God of order? I know I love being charismatic. I love being a part of a Pentecostal denomination, but I'm telling you that God is a God of order, and he cares more about how we act when we get up than when we fall down. I'll move on. All the old Baptist people said amen, but all the charismatics were like, I don't know about all that. We want you to be healthy, amen? And a lot of times we, we express our, you gotta be careful expressing yourself in worship from an orphan spirit. I'm just gonna shoot you straight. If you're doing it to be, if you're doing it to be seen or doing it to be loved more by God, then you're, you're not doing it for the right reasons. If you're doing it because you've been seen and you've been loved, it's from the right reasons. That's what it means to be healthy, amen? So what's what's pretty cool is I I love uh, listening to Pastor Landon Schott. He talks about how they got their church and they fasted and got this building and they even wrote a song about it. He says, it will always be yours, it'll never be mine. And I love prophesying that song over this house. It will always be yours. God, I'll always hear what you have to say and we'll move according to your voice. And that's it, nothing else, amen? So, who? all right. So the second foundational concept, what time is it? 11.53, come on, we're doing so good. I don't want to hear it that you're hungry either. I'm gonna tell you that right now. I'm the last person you want to tell that to. That's <laughs> like, and then my son said, yeah, he's the word." He's all, dad, I'm starving, there's no food. I'm like, bro, I've been fasting for three days. I do not want to hear about you needing food in the house right now. I just, I don't even know if you got teenagers, no food doesn't actually mean no food. It means there's no food I want in the house. All the teenagers, y'all know what I'm saying. I see y'all smiling. I don't want that food. And then your parents come through with, there's other kids in the world that are starving. <laughs> Still, they don't care, do they, parents? They're like, well, we're not in another world. We're blessed. Then they start prophesying. We're in America. <laughs> oh, come on, Jesus. So the second foundational, so number one, our first foundational concept is we want a theocratic rule. We want God to be the leader of his church. Amen? We agree. Second foundational concept is what we will call singular headship. You can write that down. Singular headship. While we believe in a team of ministers, we also believe that a singular head should guide that team. Just like in a marriage, me and Maddie are a team. But how many of you know at the end of the day, me and Maddie can come to some disagreements, and in those disagreements, who has the final say? (laughs) Only the women I only heard female voices That was it I heard like three female voices say Maddie she does Trying to help you out Maddie No she doesn't I'm the king no But if you have a If you're a good leader Let me say if you're a good leader If you're a good husband The first thing you do is ask your wife What do you want to do Nine times out of ten Maddie will say I don't know, whatever you think. And I'm like, that's not what I want. I want, I want to know what you think. <laughs> I want to collaborate with you. The Bible says we co-labor with God to build his kingdom. How many of you know we need a pastor, and we need elders, and we need a team so we can collaborate and co-labor with one another to build this place? Right? Obviously, he's going to build a church. That's probably poor language. Does that make sense? <laughs> if you were in any of our staff meetings, you would see that I probably more than I just make decisions, I probably hesitate to make decisions more than anything. Pastor Faith, what do y'all think? Pastor Daryl, Katrina, what do y'all think about this? When should we do that? Oh, that's a good idea. Okay, let's, that's a great idea too. I think this is where we're going. You know what I do when I show the staff meetings? I show the board meetings? I try to get what I've gotten from the Lord. I feel like this is where the Lord's saying to us and this is where we're going. It's up to them to discern whether or not it's from the Lord. Right? Amen? I mean, I don't know anybody who would be mad about being a healthy home for the city. What's there to be mad about that vision? My goodness. You want to be an unhealthy person? This will not be the church for you, I guess. <laughs> you are, I don't like that vision. I don't like that. They just want to see people really grow in Christ and they're not worried about numbers. I don't like that. Okay. Hmm. I got to be quiet. So when we say singular headship, we do not mean singular rule. Everybody say amen. A unified team of leaders surround a singular head to support and assess him. Right? This is where we'll have elders come into place to help shepherd, oversee, and other pastors come and support and help work these things out. So, one of the questions I, I think it all comes down really to a couple of things, guys. I believe everybody in a church cares about two things ultimately is there accountability for the finances? What's going on with the money? And here's your answer. Yes, there's a bookkeeper. I don't actually ever touch any offerings in this church. I don't ever count any offerings. I don't know the code to the safe. I choose not to. I don't do bank deposits. I don't have anything to do with any of that. That's our treasurer and our, our bookkeeper. And then everything that's spent throughout the month is only through credit card or checks. And from there, there's a financial report given every month to our board. And it's an itemized version of that, and then there's three eyes on that every single month and complete accountability for every expenditure in the church. That's a good thing, amen? That's good, right? Let me say this, that's not changing at all. It never will, you know why? Because that's not healthy, <laughs> right? So we only want what God is saying and what is healthy. And I believe people wanna know that. If the pastor's stealing money or somebody's stealing money, how can we know? Yeah, we can know, absolutely. And there's people that are monitoring it. That's that's a good thing, amen? And I believe people want to know another thing too. If the pastor starts to break away from God, starts to teach wrong things, starts to not follow the Lord, starts to fall away, starts to cheat on his wife, do bad things, can he be removed? And the answer is yes. Does make you feel better? <laughs> Simply, and we'll talk about it a little bit more next week about the role of an elder. And we'll also introduce... Uh, who these men are going to be for our church next week. And technically on January 29th, you will be voting these men in to those elder positions and they will be our board. And then from then on, I cannot remove one of them without a, a majority vote amongst our elders. So I can't disappoint people and remove them. That's not healthy. <laughs> I know a lot of churches that do that. I sit down with, the, I'm just going to tell you, I'm not trying to be negative. I know churches that are growing, thriving, and doing really well that operate that way. I just don't really like that. I don't feel like that's really safe for me and my family actually. where I can just pick people and then I can remove them and I don't like them. I don't think that's a good idea. So these men will be our governing body of our church with me as the singular leader of them as a team in collaboration. This is what we believe the Bible actually teaches, all right? So embracing singular headship reinforces the understanding that God anoints And appoints one visionary leader to head the institution of a single congregation. This is what we believe. The God, then God surrounds that leader with a team, somebody say team, of gifted, committed leaders to aid in the fulfillment of that vision. Amen? We got to know where we're going. All right? So uh, Paul writes to Titus in chapter 1, verse 5. I want you all to see this. If you have your Bible, put it up. If y'all can get Titus 1.5 up there. I, I'm not expecting y'all to put these scriptures up there, Ken, so don't worry. But if you can get Titus 1.5, I want you to see this. This is Paul speaking. How many of you know Paul was an apostle? And then you have Titus, where Titus was the singular head at the church in Crete. Right? He was the one leading that church. But what does he say? Paul say to him, this is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. How are elders chosen? They're appointed, right? Luckily for us, according to our bylaws, in this next 29th, they will all be voted in. Make everybody feel better about it. <laughs> but they've been, a. Point. how did we get these three men? Through prayer and fasting. Lord, what are you saying? How are new elders gonna be added? Through that board of elders. Let me tell you this much. If you have a weird desire to be one of them, you're not supposed to be one of them. You know, the Bible says that people who lead will be held to a higher standard. People who teach be held to a double standard. It's not for everybody. And after the next week, you're, these are good men. And like I said, we're just moving to elders. We'll still have deacons. All of that's still staying the same. So he says, appoint elders in every town. So he was saying, hey, it's good, Titus, that you're the singular head there, but you need some elders around you for a team, for accountability to collaborate with. Amen? was really really good and this isn't a new concept church you see this all the way back to Moses in the book of Exodus when Moses how many of you know Moses was leading the Israelites out of Egypt did you know the scholars believe there was three million of them and Moses was the singular head the visionary God's man and what did he say what did Jethro come up and say to him hey it's not good that you stay alone in this to appoint God-fearing men to do what? To help you carry the burden is what the Bibles would say. Let me say this. The board is not just to be fiduciary and just for money decisions and making sure the pastor's not doing bad things. The board is there to carry the spiritual burden of the church. To help come along the pastor and, and carry that and walk with him and people who um, are called to really sit in that position, not people who just want to be in that position. I can tell you right now, the three guys that I've asked, I feel like the Lord told me to ask, and I'll tell you next week, none of them were like, oh yeah, no problem, I'll do that. All of them were like, oh, I don't know, man, that's a lot of weight. And I said, yes it is. He said, man, people, are, I'm, people will look to me, people will see you're exactly right. It is, amen? It should be very serious. I remember the first time I, I got asked to do Worship Transition by Pastor Chris Wiggs. I don't know if some of you all remember this, but he gave me the microphone. He said, hey, go transition us into the offering. And I got on this platform back when it was a little half circle and I felt the weight of the glory of the Lord hit me so strong and I could barely talk. And I just felt like this crazy amount of, uh, I don't know, of reverence from the Lord. I basically felt like God was basically stopping me and saying, I want you to know how serious this really is. It's not just cool that you get to change the song out and be like, oh, come on, everybody Let's set up a shout of praise. Whoa, Yay! No, he said, when, you, when you're gonna speak for me, because this is my house, you need to take this very seriously. And I remember I was sitting here just kind of trembling, like, okay, Lord. Yes, Lord. <laughs> Amen? So Titus was a singular head. We see this with Moses as well. Hey, it's not good for you just to be by yourself. You need a team. Amen? So, to sum it up, singular headship is the primary person who establishes the vision, values, and direction of the church. All right? Through prayer and fasting and asking God, what are you saying? It all comes down to this, guys. Do you think your pastor is hearing from the Lord? (laughs) That's the real question. I believe he is. Thanks, babe. She would tell you. healthy home for the city did you know we're not trying to do anything here that we don't believe God is actually asking us to do so we're doing small groups we're doing freedom groups some people are like we need to do freedom again in the spring and, we need, and it's just like Lord what are you saying I had a, a pastor friend of mine asked me to minister at his church uh, uh, here in the next month or so and I was kind of like that sounds cool Probably, I'd probably enjoy that, but I started thinking, man, I looked at Maddie, I said, but does God want me to do that? They might give me an honorarium. That's money, by the way. But does God want me to do that? Right? These are two different things. So, how many of you got something out of this? You learned something today? Come on, raise your hand. Thank you. That makes me feel a lot better. So how many of us can agree that we want to see Jesus glorified and the church transformed to the image of Christ? We want to see God lead our church, lead our leaders, lead our staff. And we also want there to be accountability for those decisions. And we want there to be accountability for the finances. And if the pastor goes crazy, a.k.a. me, it's healthy if people can step in and remove him. Amen? Amen. And that's exactly where we're at and exactly where we're going. Okay? Feel better? Praise God. Um, you're going to realize when if you look at those bylaws that you're not going to understand half of it because it has nothing to do with the Bible. It has to do with codes. It has to do with powers and restrictions and all kinds of legal jargon. That's why we had a lawyer do it. I'm like, well, I'm glad you did this because I have no idea how to do this. Um, so, 1207, we're doing so good. <clears throat> You know, the reason we have the journey is to get everyone who comes to say this church is my church to get us all in unity, right? How do we get everybody in unity? We say, hey, this is where we're going. This is the vision, this is the values, this is what God is saying. And we give people the opportunity do you want to come along with that? And the reason we do that is to, that we would move forward in unity. In every area of our church, we would all speak the same language under the same vision of going forward. We would say, oh, we need to do a big event. We need to sell the church. We need to, we need to uh, bring some people in and fill this place up with people. It's like, no, that's not the vision. And let me say this, too. you got to be careful not to put your vision with the church's vision. I've seen that happen so many times. Well, I feel like we're supposed to go and, and we're supposed to do scarves for the homeless and we're supposed to raise them up and we need to do this and pastor, you need to make this happen in the church. It's like, no, that's probably just, that's your vision. And that's okay, do it. How many of you know you don't need a church organizational structure for you to actually go out and volunteer in the city? I digress. You don't. You don't necessarily need an evangelism outreach night for you to evangelize. We don't necessarily need a prayer meeting for you to pray. We don't need a worship night per se for us to step into worship. This is stuff we need to take with us when we leave and let it become our lives. Amen. That's how we'll become healthy. That's how we continue to go forward. I I love to hear about all the people signed up for the marriage coaching coming up here, starting soon, I believe. I don't know where faith went. I love to hear about so many people who've gone through the marriage coaching here. You want to see what revival looks like for you? It probably looks like you signing up for the marriage coaching. You're waiting for somebody, the Holy Ghost, to zap your husband. He probably wants to zap you in the marriage coaching. Was somebody telling you like somebody told me? Yeah, just let Mike stay home with the kids. Now, see, now you know what I did? I I did something crazy right now. Now all y'all are going to hold me accountable to me doing that for Maddie. And I'm like, dang. That's not a good idea at all. (laughs) So everybody's been saying, when when is Maddie going? I'm like, get out of here. I think it's time for you to leave anyways. Just kidding. But we want to see you guys get involved. We want to see you come under unity. We want to go after health. We want to see you grow up in the Lord, and we also want all of our staff. If, if you, when I sit down with one-on-ones with our staff members, you know what I talk about? How are you doing, Pastor Daryl? <laughs> Not, man. How many kids are in the youth now? How many kids are y'all running? We got to get that number up, buddy. You're 35 right now. We can get that to 55. You've been here for five years. Time to be 65, 75. Now I say, Pastor, Darrell, how are you doing? How are you and your, your wife doing? Because I know God's called you, and I know you can do the ministry stuff well. But how are, how's your heart? <laughs> how's your heart? How are your devotion? How are, is your connection with your spouse? And it's not just about them, it's about anybody else. With Nathan Boland too, our worst director, same things. How are you doing? What's, what's going on in your life? And then we'll get to stuff about your job. Because I know some things. I know if pastors and leaders and, and people are healthy who are called, then God can do so much with our church. The reality is we got so many called and self-appointed people that aren't worried about their own personal health and we're seeing churches be taken over and fall apart. That's why it's important that I do have a team of elders who are asking me the hard questions. How are you and Maddie? How about this? You ready? One of my mentors, you know what he does? He doesn't just ask me, he asks her. And I've invited him into that place in my life because that would be kind of weird if one of y'all started talking to my wife like that. I'll smack y'all. But I'm, I'm still barely saved, remember? Just kidding. And but I've invited someone into my life to speak into my life in that manner. And when he came in town, Pastor Chris Donald, he said, well, let's go out to dinner and I'll meet with you and your wife. I said, no, you probably should come to our house because you need to spend, the, spend time in our home with me and my children if you're really gonna mentor me. Because when my kid comes running out of there doing something crazy, and I'll act crazy. You're not going to see that with just me and Maddie at the restaurant. Amen? And then, he tell, then he'll ask Maddie in front of me, how's Mike doing with his schedule? And she'll be like, mm. <laughs> what schedule? <You> know, <laughs> he's, all, he's, he's too busy. And I have to sit there in humility. And be like, man, you know why? Because I want to grow. I would like to think I want to be the person here that wants to grow the most because I'm pushing it, in a sense, on everyone else. But I'll tell you how the Lord grows you. He's like, hey, guys, watch your children for three days and send your wife to Florida or something. I'm like, what? That must be the devil speaking. (laughs) Can we stand to our feet? (laughs) Let me tell you this much, too. If you can hear God about money, you can hear him about anything. I know when God's speaking about that because I didn't want to hear that. I know when God's speaking about money because I usually don't want to hear that. But God will speak to us. So I'm asking you over the next few weeks, if you're a member of this church, and and, and if you're new here, you just kind of caught us at a transition, please come back and see us. We'd love to have you stick around. Um, You can watch last week's message as well. We talked about the vision of our house and where we're going. Could our prayer team come? I don't ever want to have, not have an opportunity um, for people to receive Jesus that might, be in this place this morning, amen? Amen. Only one amen for people to get saved. Come on, church, we can do better than that. (laughs) Come on, we wanna make a moment just before we leave. If we can just play some music. We don't have to have the worship team up here. Hmm. Can we just close our eyes in this place? Father, I just pray that you just bring us continually and further into unity in this house. Because the Bible says that it brings you good pleasure, God, when we dwell together in unity. Father, I pray you'd speak to every member of this church. You'd speak clearly about these changes, about this vote, what you would have them to do. I pray you'd speak very clearly. That your sheep hear your voice and the strangers, they will not follow. Father, I pray for anyone in this room right now that does not have a relationship with Jesus at all. You're saying, man, I was invited here. I'm a guest. I've been coming for a little while. I need salvation. I need to be born again. I need to give my life to Jesus. I believe he died for me. I believe he rose from the grave. I want that newness of life. I want to be a part of not just this church, but I want to be a part of the family of God. If that's you, would you just lift your hand right where you are? I need salvation. Anybody at all? I see that hand. Anyone else? I I need salvation. I need to be born again. I want to repent of my sins and turn to Jesus this morning. Anyone else? Just a moment. I see that hand in the back as well. Thank you, Lord. With every eyes closed, I, I, this past week I was listening to a sermon by Chris Valatin. He was talking about how in our churches we do things that aren't in the Bible, like we have people raise their hands, we have them come down front, or we have them say a prayer, and you don't really see that in the Bible, but what you do see in the Bible is that faith without works is dead, that there is some type of action involved to, in a sense, activate that faith. So if you raised your hand Would you take it a step further this morning? Before you leave, would you come out of your seat? And would you come down to our prayer team at the altar? And we would love to pray with you to accept Jesus in your life and turn your life over to him. For those two people that raised their hands, please do not leave. Come down here, and we'd love to partner with you. Before you go, you can come now if you'd like. But come before you go. Father, we bless you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you're doing at your house. This is your church. Bless your people. Bless this city in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Can we put our hands together for the Lord this morning? <laughs> Bless you guys. Have a good week. We love you. You're amazing. Hey, be friendly on your way out of the building as well. Say say bye to some people. Hug some more necks. Invite somebody to lunch. If you need prayer for healing in your body, If you need prayer for anything at all, you're welcome to come to get prayer, not just for salvation, but our prayer team would love to pray with you. Thank you, Lord.